These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties. But in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. In Spring Branch, we speak more than 145 different languages, and that diversity translates into a thriving economy. Our district's a melting pot. It's a great place to find the staff you need. Spring Branch is working for business. Yours. Find out more at spmd.org. Hi, and welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Rebecca Schutz, real estate reporter at the Houston Chronicle. We've talked a little on this podcast about the commission a buyer's agent earns. It's a big deal because any change in how commissions work would have an impact on both homeowners, who would likely save money, and on a lot of people's livelihoods, because buyer's agents would likely make less per transaction. Right now, there is a fight that could change how commissions work that is winding its way through the court system. In it, the defendant who thinks that the real estate commissions are too high, is pointing to the United Kingdom as an example of how things could work. There, the real estate commission paid by the home seller is somewhere around a third or a quarter of what it is here. Which got me thinking. Time for a looped-in on the road. Sort of. Looped-in around the world? Over Zoom and only to a few countries? Basically, since people are arguing over what will work and what won't in terms of homeowners paying professionals to help them, why don't we take a look at what some other places do? First stop, the place most cited by people who think real estate commissions should be lower, the UK. While we're on our way, let me do a quick rundown of how things currently work. Here we have two agents, one representing the buyer and one representing the seller. Both are paid out of the home sale price. Before the home is entered into the MLS, which is the multiple listing service, that's how we can view homes on har.com, the home seller has to decide how much commission to pay the home buyer's agent. Even though this is the setup, buyer's agents are required to work in the home buyer's best interest, which means they should not steer buyers to one house or another just because of what the commission will be for them, because that would be self-interest. But people who want to change the system say that the fear of steering is enough to keep the buyer's agent commission higher than they would be otherwise. All right. And here we are. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for joining. Pleasure. Nice to see you. That's Lindsay Cuddle, who oversees the sale of country homes for Seville's in the UK. Can you start by telling me a little bit about yourself? I'm 60 this year. Should we start with that? That's... uh... A milestone for me. Congratulations. I've worked for Savills now for more than 30 years. I started in London as a London agent and about seven years ago got the chance to uh, run this amazing team of professionals who are selling the best houses in the countryside. And we start our minimum price range is about two million pounds and we go up to, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, whatever it might be. And I might be biased about this, and maybe I should watch what I say, but I think that British country houses are some of the most beautiful in the world. And English countryside home sounds wonderful right now. They are wonderful, yeah. So as I was sort of explaining, buying agent commissions have sort of come under scrutiny in the US. And one of the things people often reference is the fees in other countries. And the most often cited example is the UK. 
because the fees are very low there. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, fees fees over the years have, have been eroded. When I started, the fees were definitely 2.5% sole agency across the board, very easily achieved. But our fees have got lower and lower and lower, so that now the average fee is probably under 2%. In fact, it's definitely under 2%. And usually speaking, it's somewhere between one5 and 2%, depending on how that how the agency is structured and it may be that there's a price incentive in there i mean i don't know whether property inflation means that actually the fee today which of course you know the property values 30 years on are way in excess you know you used to be able to buy yes. substantial houses for a hundred thousand pounds those same houses now are, i don't know sort of seven eight million pounds um so the, the sort of capital sums sound like a huge amount of money our fees are subject to a, a, a government tax VAT, which is 20% of the uh, fee. So it adds sort of another quarter of a percent. So if it's a 1.5% fee, actually the, the seller is going to end up paying 1.75%, That's the one thing you can't negotiate. You can't negotiate the VAT. It has to be paid. Okay. That's a tax. Yeah, it's a tax on our service, not on the property. It's a tax on our services. And so those fees have been compressed, which has, as you said, been partially offset by the inflation in real estate values. What does that mean for the business of being a real estate agent? Somehow we are we are making a, we're a very profitable business. It does still work, and yeah. you know, for the for the best one, the rewards are still excellent. Here in the U.S., when we talk about the fees for the seller, it's because the seller is paying this commission that's going to be split between the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. And my understanding is in the U.K there isn't a split in the commission that's all for no. the listing agent because typically there isn't i mean there are buying agents they operate at the upper end of the of the price range market both in london and in the country and they are they are i guess for those people that want someone on their side or perhaps are just too busy to do the sort of foot slogging themselves and their fees will mirror ours probably between 1.5 and 2% but that's paid for by the buyer and they mm -hmm. don't have to do that because we provide a service whereby we will look after them. They can search through us. Now, maybe this is where there's a difference because we only represent our listings. You know, come into our shop, as it were, and what we have on the shelves is what we have. They can't then say, oh, well, I saw that other property down the street. I think it's with another broker. We would have to say, then you have to go to that other broker. When it comes to looking over the paperwork, is there someone who helps the buyer do that outside of your agency? So, yes. I mean, a contract to buy is always subject to a contract and, and legal representation. And so there's a point at which the buyer will appoint a lawyer. Now, I mm. don't know whether in the States more of that legal transaction side is done by the brokers. Yeah, it's very uncommon to hire a lawyer. Yeah. So if a buyer has to pay a lawyer, is there a sort of a range of costs? For a very complex transaction, it could easily be up to, I mean, it could match our own fees. I see. And that's sort of the top of the market. Yeah. What about for like someone's first home, like an entry-level home? Regular homes. You don't have to use a, a lawyer. You can use a, what they call a conveyancing firm. And this is not a personal service. This is a telephone center where there's a processing that goes on. And this would be checking on titles. And those fees would be very, very modest, under a thousand pounds possibly. 
It sounds like unless you're at the high, high end and you want to get like a buyer's agent, there isn't usually much guidance in terms of negotiation. No, and there probably isn't as much negotiation. I mean, you know, the, the markets are very transparent, as I'm sure they are in the States in terms of what something's sold for. Well, actually, that's not true in Texas, but it's true in most states. Yeah. In Texas, it's a right to disclose what a home sold for. So no one discloses. Uh, Only no, the real it, estate agents have it through the MLS. It used to be the case here until about 20 years ago. Uh, we used to, uh, you didn't have to disclose the price. In fact, it wasn't, a, uh, wasn't that you didn't have to. There was no means of doing so. Oh, interesting. But the registry has changed so that you now have to do that. What was the motivation for that? I think transparency in the market. That was a government initiative. I see. And then the, the other thing you touched on that I'm interested to hear more about is that there's no MLS there. That's multiple listing, right? Yes. Yeah. Multiple listing service. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you have an answer to this question, but would it be harder for a buyer to find the listings that they're interested in? If we don't in the UK employ a buying agent, then you have to go up and down the high street. Here, you'd say Main Street. I don't know how it looks in uh, the typical American high street. But the typical British high street is littered with real estate agents up and down the high street. You know, it's not difficult to, if you wanted to do it physically, the sort of earthbound version of a worldwide web search would be just to stroll up the high street, go into every store and determine, you know, who's got what. It wouldn't take that long to do it. And arguably, the web kind of does that for most people anyway. So people would go from website to website? Actually, we have aggregator sites. Uh, there's an aggregator site called rightmove.co.uk. It's, I think, from memory, it's either the most visited or the second most visited website in the UK. People love to see real estate. Yeah. And every broker pretty much across the land puts all their publicly available property on rightmove.co.uk. Okay. That gives you, except at the very top end of the market, it pretty much gives you uh, 100% or 95% coverage of the market. I see. So it's not that hard. It's not. No. So there you have it. A system where real estate commissions are low, buyer's agents are rarely used, and buyers negotiate mostly on their own. But where buyers need to pay a lawyer for the conveyance paperwork. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Lindsay said that while fees in the UK are low, just across the English Channel in France, it's a totally different story. So that's where we're heading next. My name is Alex Balkin. I joined uh, Savills in 2012, and uh, I've been the uh, executive director of uh, Savills which is uh, well, one of the leading world operators in real estate services. I'm heading the, uh, the French Riviera, plus two offices in the French Alps. So we do sell luxury properties, mainly to foreigners. And are you in the French Riviera right now? Is that where you're calling from? Absolutely. I'm in Nice, which is the largest uh, town and, uh, and uh, uh, well, about two minute walk from the sea and uh, in France, Alex explained, buyer's agents are also infrequently used, but seller's agent command much higher fees. The standard fee is 5%. Okay. So, okay, it's 5%. I know that in the UK it's less, but if you have to choose between the south of France and the UK, where would you be? <laughs> sorry, sorry, British colleagues, sorry, <laughs> but I just had to get it. I just had to tell you. 
Why do you think it's reached different like equilibrium points in the UK and France? Is it because there's too many agents in the UK? Alex had a few ideas. One being that many UK agents are on payroll and maybe trading higher fees for greater month-to-month security. This is also a thing here in the US. Many discount brokerages advertising low fees for home sellers, such as Rex, make the deal palatable for their agents by offering salaries. But he noted that in Paris, where a lot more real estate agents are salaried... It's the same. It's still the industry average is 5%, and it's mainly a traditional thing. Well, I think agents here would be gratified to hear that even after decoupling the fees, that they remain that high. I mean, that's more than listing agents make here. Now, on the rare occasions buyers in France do want a buyer's agent, then things look remarkably like they do here in the States. So let's say you come to me and you say, Alex, uh, I'm going to pay you because uh, I, I, I know you, I trust you. Then we would decide together, what's your brief? The brief would be, Rebecca would be looking for a place which corresponds to a certain number of criteria, a, a price criteria, space criteria. It has to be quiet. And especially after the COVID, we want to be in places where you have birds and bees and flowers and trees and all that. And then I may have such property in my own portfolio, or I may not. If I don't, I don't want Rebecca to go away disappointed. So I will contact the people out there amongst the people that I, uh, uh, that I trust, uh, the, the market. And I, I would say, listen, I, I saw that you have a property that could potentially fit the requirements of my client, Rebecca. And if she decides to buy it, we'll share the fee. Here, I had a little confusion over who was paying. So to explain, remember how the seller was originally willing to part with about 5% of what the home sold for to cover real estate agent fees? Nothing has really changed for the seller, but half of that fee in this situation goes to the buyer's agent, just like it does here in the United States. The buyer is not actually paying any additional fee. This is very similar to here, but in France, not many people go for this option. It can be appealing to foreigners who don't speak French and want a trusted point person who speaks their language to guide them through the transaction. Another interesting thing, the transaction is facilitated by a state-appointed lawyer, known as a notary, who checks the title history, makes sure the mortgage does not exceed the sales price, handles the escrow, etc. And that notary has unlimited professional liability insurance backed by the French government. It's just fascinating to hear about how things are done there. Thank you very much. Now, moving on to a market where home sales bear very little resemblance to conventional home sales here. When I asked for recommendations of countries to look into, and I know that was ages ago, this was one of the suggestions. Thank you. Australia. The person walking us through the process of selling a home in the land down under? A Houston real estate agent who moved to Australia and is actually in the process of selling her own home there. None other than my fellow real estate writer, Catherine Fuser's sister, Marlene Jacobs. Like a true real estate agent, Marlene said about selling me on her Melbourne home that was on the market. You know, you should really think about moving to Melbourne. You'd really like it. Oh, it's a great place. It's only a couple of blocks from the beach. It's in the middle of everything. It's too level. It's like a loft. You would love it. It's for a young person. You don't have to drive anywhere. In Melbourne, mm-hmm. in this particular apartment, you've got public transport at your front door. 
you've got the beach, you've got fabulous coffee, you've got all the best restaurants. So maybe we shouldn't sell it. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm like, I'll move there. I'll just ask my office. He's in Conoco, wants a Melbourne bureau. I'll start it. Actually, the easy thing to do is marry an Australian. <laughs> That's the easiest way to get here. So what makes selling a home in Australia so crazy? The auctions. In Australia, auctions aren't just for foreclosures. At first, when I was you know, walking in the neighborhood and I saw an auction, I just couldn't believe it, that people were sitting outside a property. Well, what did it look like? They're sitting in chairs, like folding chairs? or No, they're um, like in Melbourne, they're quite common on a Saturday. There'll be auctions, you'll be walking around and you can't help but stop and, and see. And there are some really, really outgoing auctioneers who are very good at it. So, you know, like an auction where you go, you know, and they're talking really fast and some of them do that. As in, she doesn't like the idea of selling her own house at an auction. I like that you were like, oh, I love going to an auction. It's so dramatic, but I don't want to participate. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Drama is great to witness, but not to participate. Because I think it'd be really stressful, like being inside. Like my, my friend sold her house by auction, her family home by auction. And, you know, she was uh-huh. sitting inside, you know, and they had a really good result. The, it was definitely the right decision but you know they're oh, all sitting okay. there you know wondering and then after it's over of course you know everyone's drinking champagne and celebrating because it was a successful auction so it is it is kind of festive yeah it sounds like quite an occasion so are you paying so are you going through this are you did you decide to auction off your house well i hate the auction i, I don't like it why but i think it's stressful for everyone it's stressful for the seller it's stressful for potential buyers and I think buying property is stressful in the first place. So I don't want to add that extra stress. Yeah. Plus, I don't want to pay all those marketing costs. Okay. So there's more marketing costs for an auction? Because it costs money to auction too. Yeah. So if you have an auction, then you have to pay the auctioneer as well, which is about $500. And it just seems like an auction. So before the auction, everyone's had a chance to see it. Do people do inspections? Like what's, what's that whole... Yeah. So in the great state of Texas, as you know, an open house will last for two hours, right? Here, the open house will last for 15 minutes to 30 minutes. And if you win the auction, like I feel like here, you know, you you put in, you you say how much you're willing to pay and then you do your inspection and you negotiate and uh, how does it work? No. There's no negotiation. Once once you have said you're going to buy that property and the inspection... If, if you had bought something at auction, you would have already looked at all of the paperwork. You would have asked all your questions. You would have done your inspection before. Wow. So everyone at the auction has done the inspection? You don't have to have an inspection. You're buying as is. So like in Texas, let's say your air conditioner doesn't huh. work or some of the plumbing needs replacing. Then after you have your contract, you negotiate all these things. That doesn't really happen here. We need to do all of that before you put your contract in. So before you um, buy that house at auction, you would have independently paid probably four or $500 to have the property inspected. So do you think it's a better or worse experience as a buyer? And do you think it's a better or a worse experience as a seller than it is in Houston? Well, it's better in that it's, it is what it is. It's uncomplicated. I don't know. It just seems like there's less protections for the buyers. And do you think that's Yes, there's less protection for the buyer. 
Do you, do you think it's worth it for, you said it's simpler, but like. Um, it's worth it because, look, Australians like to just get things done. So is it easier? Kind of. It is kind of easier because it's just, you know, it is what it is. But it's more difficult in that you don't know the history mm-hmm. of the house. All right. So that's the auction option. The option Marlene is going with, a more traditional listing. Although there are key differences. Here in Australia, any advertising you do is paid by you. This oh. Which is shocking. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something I didn't even think about. So there are two um, major websites, realestate.com and domain. So it's about, I think, about $1,200 Australian to advertise the property on realestate.com. So there are two sites. So the realestate.com is about $1,200, but that's Australian. So let's say... Let's say 900 US. But okay. the other site, which is called Domain, is about $2,500 US because what? it um, includes all of the agents, a special deal with the agency's marketing department so that we get some print ads and um, prime postings, um, you know, so that the ad pops up. So I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to, you know, that's that's too much. because So if we advertise on both of those sites, it would be for us about $3,500 total. The U.S. or Australian? Australian, Australian right? So let's say 3000 Wow. So that's crazy. That is crazy. That's crazy. She also said it's fairly rare to use a buyer's agent. And as for the seller's agent? The listing agent is paid um, on a sliding scale, and I think we're paying him like 2 So it's a lot less. Just to note, that's a lot less than the total commission that a home seller here pays. But if you're just looking at what a selling agent earns here, it's actually comparable. Another note, the real estate brokerage Seville's shared a comparison of the costs of real estate around the world. And that put real estate commissions in a little bit of a different perspective for me. While real estate commissions are a big home seller cost here, when you look around the world, it becomes clear that there's also a lot of variation in the costs associated with buying and selling a home. So while the U.S. has some of the highest costs associated with selling a home, in other places, including Vancouver, Hong Kong, Singapore, Sydney, Madrid, Berlin, Paris, London, Dubai, and Shanghai, there are much higher costs associated with buying a home. And that's mostly because of the taxes charged upon the purchase of a home. And before we go, I figured we could make a stop closer to home, Mexico. This is Gerardo Contreras of Remax Properties. The average in Mexico is between 5 five and 6% commission when you are a seller. Okay? And that commission is split it between the two sides. That is, in most parts of Mexico, an informal process. The buyer's agent calls the seller's agent and they come to an agreement on the split before bringing the buyer to see the property. But, Gerardo explained, there are outlier markets. Let me tell you now a very special situation, okay? Let's talk about Los Cabos because maybe you know Los Cabos. Uh Uh-huh. Los Cabos, you know Los Cabos? You like Los Cabos? Never been. <laughs> oh, you should you should go. Yeah, uh, you know the uh, Holly, the Hollywood stars and people who lives in California. I know it seems very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's very expensive. Maybe one day. 
Yeah, that's that a very expensive area, by the way. Well, in Los Cabos, in Los Cabos, mm -hmm. there is like America. You can find very, very similar situation like in Houston or, or in the United States. They have MLS, very strict, very strict uh, MLS. He said this is also the case in Puerto Vallarta, San Miguel de Allende, and Lago de Chapala, all popular real estate markets for Americans. They sort of imported these policies almost. It's correct. So, so, uh, and the MLSs create agreements between the buyers and sellers agents. Okay. Yeah. So they're more protected. Yeah, they are. And that for places in particular, Rebecca, it's strong. And the rest of the country, we have some opportunities yet and working on it, but they are good examples. Other thing, Rebecca, important in Los Cabos, the commission rate is eight. Wow. Until 10%. Also, La Paz, Baja California, which is uh, 1.5 hours to the north, there is a La Paz, also is 10% to 12%, Rebecca. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a paradise of the real estate agents, right? And why are they able to get that much? Yeah, I think it's that, like a culture. And I was talking of, with a broker there, a very young guy, an uh, entrepreneur, and he told me, Gerardo, you know how much is the, the commission uh, fee here for a real estate agent? I don't know. He said 10 to 12%. And he said, he, he's supposed to be smart, and he said, I will charge 6%. And I said, no, 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 don't do that. Because you are going to affect the market, the real estate industry market now. And then when you pay the agents who works for you, they will receive only the 50% that others agents, real estate agents receive. So you are probably not have a recruiting. So I, I, I recommend follow the culture. Real estate, Rebecca, is a, a local market. So there you have it. Around the world, buyer's agents are fairly rare. But what that means for the seller's bottom line or real estate agents' livelihoods depends on the country. Buyer protections also vary. And as a side note, I found it interesting how widely countries vary and how easy it is for consumers to research a neighborhood sale prices. And that the people I spoke to sort of related that to how important a real estate agent is in aiding a consumer and understanding that. Thank you listeners for tuning in. If you ever want to send an idea for a podcast or just say hi, you can reach out on Facebook or Twitter. I'm at RA Shoots. That's R-A-S-C-H-U-E-T-Z. And on our show notes, if you go to houstonchronicle.com slash looped in, we'll have links to transcription of this episode. Special thanks to everyone who shared their time with us. Lindsay Cuddle and Alex Balkan of Seville's in the UK and France. Marlene Jacobs and Catherine Fieser for putting us in touch in Australia. Gerardo Contreras of Remax in Mexico. And Jeffrey Luciano of Refined Real Estate Team in Canada. Though we didn't use the interview because the process is so similar to the United States, we appreciate your making the time to walk us through it. Thank you to the people who responded on Twitter, suggesting countries to look into for this episode. Thanks to our print editors, Jonathan Diamond and Rob Gavin. Thanks to Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Komodos, for the theme music. And thanks to Scott Kingsley for producing. Until next time. <laughs>